you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 21. And we're going to continue um, our series of sermons about saying yes to the Lord. And we uh, started this several weeks ago talking about the future of our church and what God has in store for us and the need for us to say yes to Him. And uh, as I have mentioned to you several times, I believe that we are at a very pivotal point in the history of our church. And as we look forward into the future, I believe it is a time for us to respond with yes as God has called us to move forward with Him. And uh, let me just tell you as we are beginning that I have had an absolute great time over the last couple of weeks as we've gotten together as church family and as we have shared how God brought us to First Baptist Church Goodlettsville and how God has ministered to us in the midst of being here. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had over uh, around 200, a little over 200 people that have been a part of those meetings, either in the Brooks home or here last uh, Tuesday. We had a luncheon, and uh, several of you were a part of that. And it was just a, you know, it was a joy for me to be a part of that and to hear your stories. And it just affirms even more in me that we are a part of something great here at First Baptist, that we are a part of something absolutely amazing. And it is time for us to begin to step forward and so that other people can be a part of that, partly because of just the community of faith that God has brought to this area and to this church, but also just because we serve an awesome, unbelievable God that we ought to be able to share with the people that are all around us. And so we're in the midst of that, and as we're talking about that, thinking about that, we're talking about saying yes to God. And there's a quote that we've kind of uh, used over the last few weeks to kind of help us be in mind of what's going on and what is happening in our lives. And, and it's a quote from a missionary named Jim Elliott who says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And today we're going to continue talking about saying yes to the Lord, saying yes, Lord, in a way that is perhaps the most difficult. Two weeks ago we talked about saying yes, Lord, to generosity. Last week we talked about saying yes, Lord, to uh, a life of intimacy. Well, today we're going to talk about saying yes, Lord, to a life of sacrifice. Yes, Lord, to a life of sacrifice. In Luke chapter 21, we have one of the most familiar stories in Scripture. Um, it's a story that people have read over and over. And I'm going to tell you today that I think at times it's been misunderstood a little bit. And we're going to talk about what it means for a life of sacrifice. Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Now, to give you an idea of what was happening there, um, they had a temple, obviously, where people worshipped. And as they were worshipping, one of the things that they would do is they would bring their offerings to the temple and place them in the treasury. The treasury was located in a public area, and you could see people giving their offerings. It's not kind of like what we do when we pass the offering plate or in Sunday school we give it in envelopes, and you can't see what's in there. And we even take the offering plate and we kind of pass it, and so even the person next to you or somebody else can see. But in that day and time, they could see pretty much what everybody was giving. Not only that, but by the time of the Pharisees, the time of Jesus, they had constructed this elaborate way to give. 
And so everybody would gather together at the temple, and as they were getting ready to give their offerings, they would get trumpets, and they would blow their trumpets. And as they blew their trumpets, suddenly a line would form of people bringing their offerings. So you can imagine that, that we're all here gathered, and it would have been different. This it would have been out in a courtyard-like area, but there's a huge box here. And the trumpets blow, and people stand up and start to file by to give. Now, what is understood is during that day and time that if you wanted people to know that you were giving a lot, you let people know you were giving a lot. So I can imagine, and I know that back then they didn't have paper money like we have. They didn't have the crisp bills. They had coins. But I can imagine, if you'll jump to the future with me, them walking by, and as they got to the front and the box was there, holding up the $100 bill and crisping it up for everybody to see, waving it in the air and dropping it in. I can imagine somebody walking up, pulling something out of his wallet and I don't, or pocket, and I don't have this to be able to do, but and start going, that's 100, 200, 300, 400, 1,000, and putting it in. Or even writing a check out to FBC Temple. Now, you know that it's not really... Well, they weren't a Baptist church back then. They were a Jewish temple. But you can imagine they write their check out. And they didn't have checks either or debit cards or any of that. But saying, make sure you get that four zeros on that check. They wanted everybody to know. And so when it says Jesus saw the rich as they came by, part of the reason Jesus saw the rich as they came by and gave their offering is because the rich wanted people to see them giving. Verse 2, he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now, what kind of copper coins do we have? Pennies, right? What's the least valuable piece of money in our system? Pennies. It's the same now as it was then. Eli at our house has become the... Um, change monster. If there is change around, it is gobbled up and put in his piggy bank. Well, yesterday, he has one of those piggy banks. It's a cool piggy bank. You put the money in the top, and it tells you how much money is going in. He, he got really upset with me a, a few months back because we took his money. He had a, a lot in there, and we took it to uh, Publix and put it in the coin selector. And he knew how much money was in there, and we didn't get that much money back, right? Because they keep eight cents on the dollar. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all looking at me like I'm nuts here. You know what I'm talking about? They keep eight cents on the dollar. And so I came back. He said, what would we get? I said, $14. I goes, Dad, it was like $16. What happened to my money, right? Well, yesterday he got all this money, and he put it in his bank, and he said, Dad, look at that. Most of all, I've got gold. I said, Eli, that's not gold. That's copper. That's pennies, right? Well, this woman comes, and she takes two pennies. So get the idea here. There would have been people giving the equivalent of thousands of dollars, and she gives two pennies. Verse 3. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Is that technically true? Is two pennies more than than everybody else was putting in. No. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, 
put in all she had to live on. Now, sometimes when I've heard this passage preached, and um, I may have to go back and look on my, even when I've preached it, I've read it, and for some reason, you've gotten this idea, and I've heard preachers say this, see, it's not how much you put in, it's the heart that matters. But here's the thing, does Jesus say anything about her heart? No, would be the appropriate answer. Does Jesus say anything about her heart? Okay, some of you got it. Does Jesus say anything about her heart? No, I'm not going to move on until you answer me, all right? We're going to cultivate y'all talking in here, all right? So Jesus says she gave more not because her heart was better. He didn't say anything about her heart. What he says is she gave more because her sacrifice was greater. You see, in Jesus' economy, our level of giving is not measured by how much we give, but how big the sacrifice is. Say it this way. God does not measure our generosity by the size of our gift, but the size of our sacrifice. Now, let me just say real clearly that that makes giving one of the most difficult things you can do. Because God does not count how much. He counts how big the sacrifice is. Look what he says. The poor widow has put in more than all the others because she, out of her poverty, gave all she had to live on. You have to understand, in their day and time, a widow and an orphan were the two most desperate people in that society. If you were a widow or an orphan, you had no way to make money. None. Because in that day and time, who made the money? The husband, right? The man, the male of the house. And if you were a widow, that meant you no longer had a male to make money. And so if you were a widow and you got even two pieces of copper, even two pieces of coins, two pennies, the natural inclination is to hold on to that, to keep that, to save that, to use that. But she brings it and gives it. Now there are a couple of things about that that we'll get to in just a second that make it significant. But I want you to see that what Jesus is praising here is not her heart, it's not her attitude, it's not any of those kind of things and that, that we, we try to spiritualize it. It's the fact that she gave out of sacrifice. Now here's the key understanding. Even when we give in a sacrificial way, the sacrifice is not a virtuous act, it's just a virtuous response. Now, that's kind of splitting hairs a little bit, but it's not virtue of us just to give. What's important is that we give a sacrifice out of what God has already done for us. And the reason that is is because God has sacrificed greatly for us. Greatly for us. Our sacrifice is just a direct response to what God has already done done. In fact, our sacrifice always begins by understanding God's love and sacrifice for us. Now, if we're going to talk about sacrifices in history, the greatest sacrifice in history is God sending His Son. Now, that was kind of reiterated to me last night. 
Last night we had some storms come through here, right? Anybody lose power? I thought about last night, you know, being without the power there for a couple of hours really made you long for the good old days, right? Like three hours earlier when you had power, right? You hear people talk about that. Oh, it was wonderful around the candlelights as we were. Eli and Luke were not happy with the things we didn't have, but I think we all went to bed like at, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon. We went to bed early last night. But before the lights went out, as the the lights were going out, uh, the storm was getting ready. We have a bonus room at the... the bottom of our house it's kind of like a basement that's been filled in and the family was in the basement getting ready for the storm that might be coming and i was doing what every dad ought to be doing at that moment i was standing out on the porch watching the storm come in amen right and so i was standing out there waiting for everything to come in and just as a side note saw one of the coolest things i've ever seen i mean i've seen it before but it just magnified this time i could see the storm start coming and it was almost like somebody was dragging a sheet along. And I was standing there, and I waited until the last moment when I knew the rain was coming and stepped back in the house. I was really proud of myself. If you'd have been there, I was high-fiving and all that kind of stuff. Back to what matters. As I was standing there, there's this little part of you. I, I, I've told you before, I, I had a tornado hit when I was a child. I remember vividly the tornado hitting our house and moving on down the street. Um, I've been around people that have been in tornadoes. And so when tornadoes and severe weather come, I, I think of it as a serious thing. We need to make sure we protect ourselves and all of that. And I was just thinking, you know, if it comes to it, there is no doubt in my mind that I would do everything possible to protect my family. That I, as the dad, as the father, would do everything possible to protect Susan and the boys and Maddie. I would literally give my life for them. There is no doubt in my mind that if, if faced with the choice of giving away one of my children in their life or giving away my life, there is no doubt in my mind what decision I would make. I'd give mine in half a second. And yet what we see in the life of God is that He willingly sent His Son for us. He gave His most prized possession to us. Leave your finger at Luke 21 and turn with me to Ephesians 3. I talk about this passage all the time. I just love what it says, but I want to focus on a little bit above where I usually focus. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is writing a prayer out for the Ephesians. And he says this. He says, for this reason. This is chapter 3, verse 14, into the, to almost the end of the chapter. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, that's with us, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. Part of the reason that we give 
is just in response to what God has already done for us. Now, I want you to understand that the sacrifices that we make is just a visible expression of our love for God. I mentioned that this widow shows us a couple of things about her. First of all, it shows us her complete dependence on God. It says she gave everything she had, right? All that she had to live on, she gives it. It's a complete dependence on God. The second thing is it shows how much she loves and is thankful to Him. This week in our reading through the Bible, or actually last week, we read the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. And He heals the ten lepers, and they all go away. And how many come back? One. Now, I've heard pastors say, how many of them do you think were grateful that they had been healed? And they say, well, all ten of them had to be grateful that they were healed. But I don't know that that's really true. Because to show gratitude involves action. And there was only one that day who showed the action of coming back to say thanks. And true gratitude and understanding of what God's love is all about results in sacrificial living. Now, our sacrifice is but a visible expression of our love. And let me tell you this further. I think that when God calls us to sacrifice our money, our treasure, it is but the training wheels of the sacrifice He expects. You know what training wheels are, right? I won't ask who's still using training wheels. There's some as you're a child and as you're learning to ride your bike. It's a good thing to use training wheels, right? Parents, it's a good thing when your kids use training wheels, right? There's no real worry about that. And I think that as we're learning how to live for God, that giving our money, giving our resources are the training wheels to learning how to live for Him. And part of the reason that I believe that the American church has not moved to the place of depth in their relationship with God, that American believers have not moved to a place of complete devotion to the Lord is because we haven't even got past the training wheel stage of giving. Our sacrifice is a visible expression. I want to show you what I think God calls us to do, and it starts with our money. And we're going to build on that. You see, I get to believe God first asks us to sacrifice our money. Now, why? Part of the reason is because we like it so much. Amen? We like it. We like our stuff. Um, materialism is innate in our culture. It just comes with the territory. Eli got on to me the other day because we have some weeds in our yard. Anybody here have dandelions around? Anybody seen those lately? We have a virtual farm of dandelions in our yard. And so Eli just came up to me and he said, Daddy, you need to go get some weed begone. Because weed begone kills weeds all the way to the roots. Now, where has he seen that? On television, right? And I thought, he's been watching. Now, we watched the Cardinals game, the 20-inning Cardinals game last week. And that was on quite a bit in the midst of that. You know, after inning 14, they ran out of commercials to run, so they just started repeating. Well, I think about my own life, about how materialistic I can be. Um, I, I, I mentioned baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. Uh, last year, uh, on the computer, I bought the uh, 
Major League Baseball package where I could watch any game I wanted to watch on the computer. I'm a huge Cardinals fan, and we don't get Cardinals games around here. And so this year I decided I'm not doing that. I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to spend that money. I'm going to sacrifice there, really. Not really a sacrifice, but I just didn't do it. Well, then I saw this week that they now have that program on the PlayStation 3. That you can buy it online, watch it online or on your television through the PlayStation 3. You know my first thought? i got to get me a PlayStation 3. Right? It's the best DV, uh, It's the best Blu-ray player. It's got MLB baseball on it. i got to have one of those now. Right? I don't. But it just reminded me how materialistic we can be. And God knows that. He talks about money more than anything else in Scripture. But it's just the training wheels. Once we're willing to sacrifice our money, he then moves up to ask us to sacrifice our time. Perhaps the only thing in my life I value more than my stuff is my time. And once we've gotten to the point where we'll give him our time, then he asks for our reputation. Will you follow me no matter what it means? Will you follow me despite what may be said? I think as Christians, over the last ten years, we have tried way too hard to be cool. In Scripture, when you read Paul, it says over and over and over again that Paul says he was a fool for the sake of Christ. We've got to give up our reputation. We've got to give up our future, sacrifice it. We put it in your hands, God. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to have with it, it's yours. If that means changing careers, it's yours. If that means a difference in our lifestyle, it's yours. If that means a new direction, it's yours. My future is completely in your hands, and I give that to you. And ultimately, it comes to Romans 12:1, which is that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. It's our life. And you see, most of us as believers in America, have never got to the point where we've been even willing to sacrificially give. I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about sacrificially give our money so we never move up that ladder to anything else. Our sacrifice is a visible expression of our love. There's been a quote that I used last week from C.S. Lewis that has just haunted me all week. And it says that if you can look around and see people making the same amount of money you make and you're living at the same level they are, then there's probably something wrong with your giving. Here's the good news. Increasing sacrifice brings increasing rewards. Increasing sacrifice brings increasing rewards. Now this lady we talked about it a minute ago in Matthew. I mean, not Matthew wherever we are. My mind just fried for a moment. That's all right. I had a mid-30s moment. She comes and she gives her, her coins. And as she gives her coins, Jesus praises her in front of everyone. Now, you notice he doesn't say, she put that two cents in, that means next week she's going to get a check in the mail for $2. Doesn't say that, does it? She put two cents in. That means in three weeks there's going to be a fourfold development of her money and her real estate investments, and she's going to really make some money. It's not what it says. But our rewards, while not financial necessarily, they might be, the Lord might bless you, are increasing in their effectiveness. Let me give you just a few rewards that come from sacrificial giving. First of all, sacrificial giving brings us to be more like God, more 
like God. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The verse that we learned from a child that is John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Right? And the truth is that God is a giving God. Throughout the Old Testament, it says that God is gracious. And that word simply means that he gives us what we do not deserve. That over and over and over again, that God gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. That's who God is. You are never more like God than when you are giving. Sacrificially in love. So it makes us more like God. Here's the second thing. It breaks the grip of materialism. I talked about that a minute ago. We have been bought into this system that we need more. We, we want more. We, we've got to have more. And the truth is, as you begin to give, God breaks that spirit of materialism, that grip of materialism. Here's the third thing. It strengthens our faith. Now, let me just tell you this. This week, we, next week is Commitment Sunday for our Capital Funds campaign. This week on Thursday night, we're asking you to have a family conference and to determine what God is calling your family to give and then to commit to do that and say, yes, Lord. Let me just tell you this. If your commitment doesn't scare you, I don't believe it's from God. If your commitment isn't something that makes you concerned, I don't believe it's from God. If you have talked with your accountant, and you figured out on the books, and you've made provisional statements, well, if, if, if even if this goes wrong, we've got this place we can pull from, and we've got this source, we can do this, and we can do that. If you are committing and because of that, I don't think it's enough. Now, here's why. Because if you don't have to trust the Lord in the midst of the gift, then it's not a gift of faith. If you've got it figured out, you've got it figured out. You need to be willing to give and trust. Not only does it strengthen your faith, it tests our maturity. Now, I know you're going, these are the kind of words I was looking forward to, Pastor. Strengthening my faith, testing my maturity. But that's what Scripture says. It'll test whether or not we're mature in the faith. Giving sacrificially means that we are investing in eternity. That it becomes an investment for our future. And then finally, giving will bring us joy. Now again, I'm not talking about just writing a check to the church. I'm talking about sacrificial giving. Here's the thing that I was thinking about this week. The most joyful people I know are generous people. And I used to think that that was because they were joyful that they were generous because they were joyful. This is going to get confusing. Just stick with me, all right? I used to think they were generous because they were joyful. But what I've come to believe more and more is that you are joyful because you're generous. The more you give, the more joyful you become. We talked about this with the word miser. You remember that people that hold back are people that are miserly. There are people that are crotchety. There are people that are just not very nice. But the people that give are the most joyful people. And I don't think that it's any coincidence that that's true. And when you give sacrificially, here's the truth. You have put so much in the hands of God that you can't really be concerned about a whole lot. The simple question that we've been asking for the last few weeks is this. What is God asking you to say yes, Lord, to? What's He asking you to commit 
to. There were lots of people that day that brought their gifts, and I have no doubt in my mind that they thought they were doing the right thing. They were showing everybody they were doing the right thing. They wanted people to know they were doing the right thing. But they didn't give out of sacrifice. They gave out of abundance. There are some of you in this room right now that say, Pastor, if I give anything, it will be out of sacrifice. I understand that, and so does the Lord. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice. There are some of you in this room that could give a lot and it not be a sacrifice. And what the Lord's asking you to do is to find that place where your life and your time and your money, that giving it is sacrificial to you. Remember, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose.